Today we'll be discussing our top TV comedies of the 21st century, and we'll be discussing Worms on the Brain. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode, I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic for medicine and health and grills me on that topic. Recently, the pop culture website, The AV Club, released their top 50 comedies of the 2000s. So Ali and I thought we would discuss our top 10 favorite TV comedies. And then later, we'll discuss a recent news story on brain worms. Brain worms? In, question mark? You started with a question mark earlier. Exactly. So there, yeah. it, it is. And it's, it, it should that. be an exclamation mark. But I'll give you something else just very quickly before. And this is another exclamation mark. I want to say to you, with an exclamation mark on the end, Ali, happy birthday exclamation oh, mark question mark question too mark. much it's <laughs> thank you for all the it's the happy question mark that's so happy yeah so but, today is ali's birthday yes do you have a big day planned for your birthday so it's a weekend when we're recording this so yeah i'm going to a writer's festival meeting a couple of writers who i hmm? like <laughs> wake up Asif. sorry Anyway, going to a writer's festival, and then I'm going to go see some family and keep it kind of chill. Okay, okay, You know, okay. I celebrate every day of my life like it's my birthday. Awesome. There we so, go. Exactly. Well, I can't think of a better way to celebrate your birthday than for you and I to reminisce about the top comedies from the past 23 years. No, imagine. No, I'm very excited. And in fact, this was the opposite of a gift. This was a curse. Mm. This was very difficult to distill because we're not, you know, we wanted to have mercy on you listeners and ourselves Mm -hmm. and not go through 50, our favorite 50. That's insane. But we are doing our top 10. We love Mm. a top 10 list here. We love it. We love it. Love it. Yeah. So you guys will link to this article from the AV Club, but Ali and I did a little trick. Well, not trick. I don't know. We we decided to not look at the article. So we're not going to read the article till we get to the end of our top 10 list. And we'll see how, you know, how our thoughts compare with, I don't know, the writers of the AV Club. So, yeah. So you can take a look at that. So we will do, Ali always gets confused about the order we do things in so we're going to do reverse order ali are yours ranked by the way one to ten mine are yes okay i don't get confused what are you talking no, about because sometimes you want to start at the top but we're going to start at the bottom right we're going to start Number at 10? The 10 and then go back and forth so often i go first but i'm going to let you go first today do you know why do tell it's your birthday oh yeah i'll say this to you i rank these because you know it's like, do you want to go on writing genius? Do you want to go on the number of awards the show's won, critical acclaim, that kind of stuff? I ranked it in a very selfish way, and I went strictly on how many actual laughs I got from these shows. That's how I I, I Interesting, interesting. So that's, that's a good point. I didn't do that. I just did the ones I enjoy the most, which which might be slightly hey, different. Hey, so Hey, you'll have your time. Oh, sorry. You'll have your time to tell people what you've done. Okay, it's my time, my birthday. Yeah, no, no, I look. You could go whichever way you want. Obviously, you can do whatever you want. But I, I would like to know how you ranked yours and why. But I went on what shows have 
made me laugh out loud. That, that, that's a that's a hot commodity, laughing out loud. Not everybody or everything can make you do that. So here's the list. Again, I have to have some honorable mentions afterwards, but... No, no, wait, wait. So hold on. You're going to go 10, then I'll do 10, and then... Oh, I thought I was who, starting who, first. Did you and guys doing just remember thing? when I... <laughs> I just thought I was doing my confused. 10 to yeah, 1. But this is how we always do it, is you do one that I do one. Okay. Oh In that case, God. do tell do tell how you rank yours. Right. Oh, boy. So anyway, it, like I said, it's the ones I enjoyed the most. I did leave off some shows that are half hour, but I don't actually think they're comedies. And I think the biggest example is Barry, a Bill Hader's show on HBO. It is funny, but I don't think it's a comedy. So I, I kind of left that out. I disagree. I okay. find it incredibly great comedy, and that's fine. but not in my top 10. And that's fine. And it's not in my top 10. Would it have been? I don't know if I gave it that rule. And I didn't include sketch comedies, which probably people are going to be upset that I didn't do that. Because there's a, problem, bi- there's a big one that's left off. Probably the biggest one that's left off my list. And Saturday Night Live? No. No. Chappelle's show. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, so. you just ruined one of mine. Oh, okay. what? You don't have to say that. Anyway, okay, so why don't you go first then? Okay, number 10. number 10 for me is Atlanta. It's a combination of comedic and absolute genius, and sometimes I'm not laughing out loud because I'm just in awe of what Donald Glover and his brother and his team have created. I mean, it's that's why it's at 10. This is sometimes a number one show by so many different rankings, but I really find it to be, there's an episode in season one when, when he's in a jail, like a holding cell. I mean, I was gasping watching that thing. It's just so, so good. So good. And it's really, really well done. Can't say enough great things about it. I'm only saying what I'm saying now to apologize for making it number 10, but yeah, it's, it's such a great show. A little spoiler will be on my list a bit higher, but I'm going to go with number 10. I wanted to include a show that I love that a lot of people haven't seen. So you'll get this a lot from friends, you know, they'll text you, Hey, you know, I got some time, any shows, I got a long flight, any shows. And most of the ones you're, I've, we're going to recommend people have already seen. But there's one comedy that I don't think a lot of people have seen, which I highly recommend, and it's Happy Endings. So Happy Endings is a show that was on ABC from around 2012 to 2013 around, maybe a bit earlier. It's created by a guy named David Caspe, and the cast is like lots of funny people who, again, maybe people don't know about, but Elisha Cuthbert from 24 is probably the most famous person in it. But Damon Wayans Jr. is in it. People might remember him from New Girl. Casey Wilson, Adam Pally, really a bunch of funny people, Eliza Coop, Zachary Knighton, and just about about a bunch of friends living in Chicago and their kind of ridiculous lives. And the first couple episodes, again, they just kind of get their feet wet, the writers, I mean, in terms of finding out who these characters are. But by the end, it's so ridiculous and so funny. And this is one of the shows that my wife and I were just like flipping the channels and it was on the background and we started watching and we're like, this show is hilarious. So it's sometimes a bit hard to find on streaming, but definitely happy endings. It's one of those shows that is certainly cursed by having a stupid name. And it probably never got over that. The other one, what's the Cougar Town was another one that like, I don't know if they ever got over their name. And of course, the one show that did get over their weird name was Schitt's Creek, right? I didn't want to watch Schitt's Creek for years because I thought the name was like a pretty lame pun. But mm-hmm. or so, so I just consider happy endings like that. Like, don't get discouraged or turned off by the title and check it out if you guys get a chance. So happy endings number 10 for me. 
Okay, very interesting. That is something I have not watched and will. Here's something that I'm willing to bet you forgot about and is not in your top 10. It's the show Extras. You know Extras? Oh, yeah, I do. And we're going to talk about Extras a bit later in my groupings. But why don't you tell people about Extras in case you haven't seen it? Well, British sitcom. It's about people who are extras working in film and television and theater, actually, as well. Created by Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, whose names you will hear again. Really so well done. Again, I'm going at laugh out loud moments. This probably should be a little bit higher up, but it's, again, shot mockumentary style, like The Office, which was also created by Ricky Gervais and and Stephen Merchant. Very, very well received. Metacritic score of 81 over 100. That's very, very good. Award-winning show, Golden Globe, Primetime Emmys, BAFTA Awards. It was just so great. And I think I also loved it because sometimes on set when I'm, I have the privilege to be an actor, I watch these extras and you're just like, who are you? What brought you out today? What's going on in your mind? And, and just the thought that somebody else might be like, I want to not only ask myself that question, but explore that and then create a whole world around extras. I have so many laugh out loud moments from mm-hmm. the show. I really, really like it. I mean, I can't disagree with you. It is really good. Some great cameos, right? Oh my God. Those in what a poor light they are brave enough yeah. to show themselves into is with some of the best stuff about that show. Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe. Was and, and Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart is probably the most ridiculous thing. Like, you can never look at him again the same. I won't ruin it for you if people haven't yeah. seen it. But Kate Winslet was also okay. so good. She, I mean, so they were fun. so great in that show. Anyway, definitely it's worth a watch even just for that. I'll explain to you why it's not on my list. Yeah, I'll explain to you guys later. So you better. Number nine for me is Scrubs. So Scrubs is, of course, and this again, it's the, like I said, is it laugh out loud all the time? It often is very, very funny, but it's also poignant, touching. It takes place, of course, in a hospital and it ran from 2001 to 2010. Like the last season is a bit of a reboot. So maybe we forget about that. It's one of the best series finales ever. And it was just so good, like in terms of heart and humor I mean, it was created by Bill Lawrence, and Bill Lawrence went on to co-create Ted Lasso. Like, if people have not been exposed to Scrubs and you just know Ted Lasso, you got to check out Scrubs. Great cast, Zach Braff, Sarah Chalk, Donald Faison, and of course, John C. McGinley, right? So a lot of fun. Zach Braff and Faison, by the way, still very good friends. Yeah, they do a podcast about Scrubs. You know, maybe we'll be on their podcast someday. Likely not, but Mm. you you never know. So definitely Scrubs, if you have never seen this show, definitely check Very interesting you mentioned Scrubs because, like I told you, this was a very difficult exercise. And in number eight was either Scrubs or this. And I was trying not to do tied for eighth place and tied for fourth place. It just seemed non-committal. But I went back and forth, deleted it off the list, brought it back in, and then finally was like, no, I'm going to go number eight, Flight of the Concords. Oh, it's so good. Yes. Okay, go and ahead. Yeah. the amount of laughs that show gave me, and also came out of nowhere, Austra- show created out of New Zealand, not even Australia, or maybe Australia created, but you know, with this yeah, yeah. core of, of New Zealand actors who I didn't know at the time. Now, of course, I mean, I've interviewed a couple of them and seen so much of their work, but Jemaine and Brett were just the best. I was like, I don't know. It just... At the time, it just blew me away. I was just like, what is this? 
what other comedy is out there that I don't know. I mean, it opened my mind to a whole other style. You know, they, they have these musical interludes. The music is genius as well. And the right, the characters, the character work is just, that's fantastic. I mean, the laughs I got from that show are innumerable. Well, I thought about it on my list as well. I, I had it for a bit and then it fell off. And this is, it's going to sound like, I'm just giving you the rationale for why I didn't put it on my list. I love Flight of the Concords, but I'd never thought the songs were that funny. And I think the humor is, so I'm more of a Jermaine guy. I think I think Britt was a more of the song guy in the duo. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I know he's gone on to do like the Muppet movie songs and things like that in, in the most recent Muppet movie. And I always thought, even when I watched the show, even though I loved it, I thought it was so funny. I would laugh out loud. I never thought the songs were as funny as the rest of the show, which it was weird because it's about a band, right? So that's well, why if, it didn't make my top 10. If you want funny music, it's hard to find that. That would like laugh out loud songs, but I would yeah. recommend Tim Minchin to okay. everybody. Okay. Australian comedian, actor, writer, musician, a phenomenal, phenomenal. Also very, very nice guy. I had the pleasure to meet him once. Really good dude. Tim Minchin is very funny. Just watch any of his live performances. But yeah. And the reason I bring up Tim Minchin, because I think it's very tough to be laugh out loud funny with a song. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It has to be very performative. You can do it on stage probably. But it's so tough because mm. you get to the the funny maybe in the chorus, and then there's still two and a half more minutes of a song. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and it's moving quick. It's not yeah. giving you time. It's a weird pacing. But anyway, I forgive them. I okay. like you. Well, number eight, you want to talk about a laugh out loud funny show? We're talking Veep. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. So Veep, this comedy was on for about seven years. It was made by Armando Iannucci, and it was adapted from kind of a British similar show. And it's about this fictional vice president of the United States, played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I mean, what else can I tell you? Amazing cast, laugh out loud funny. The insults in this show are so crazy. And again, when we talk about finales of shows, the finale, you know, it's still pretty dark. And Selena Meyer, who is Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character, doesn't really, you know, she's still kind of a jerk at the very end. I won't ruin what happens, but a lot of fun. I mean, ju just a great show. It'd be hard to make another show just like this. It was so good. So, uh, yeah, Veep is number eight for me. I'll talk more about that soon. Okay. Number seven for me, this is a bit of a cheat. A bit of a cheat, not really, but sort of. It is Modern Family, ah. right? Now, Modern Family was sort of a very broad, you know, sitcom. Not bad broad, not a Big Bang Theory type of thing for me, but it was like a really classic American sitcom. But you want to talk about, you know, Emmy Award winning. This thing is like, it took home, it won a total of 22 over the years, 75 nominations, Golden Globes. It's a cheat because... It was created by Christopher Lloyd and Stephen Levitan. So if you don't know Christopher Lloyd and Stephen Levitan, these are guys who created some of my other favorite shows, which couldn't make it on the list because they were pre-2000. Christopher Lloyd created Fraser, which is, I mean, for, as far as comedy mm -hmm. ensembles go, I really found that to be an amazing. Started in, you know, uh, Golden Girls, Wings, and then Modern Family, he's quite a force, you know, I, and I bring him up also the way you bring up Bill Lawrence. Like sometimes you mm -hmm. have to look at the pedigree of these guys. Stephen Levitan, a bunch of shows, you know, Just Shoot Me, and so he created yeah. those. 
but he was also associated with my probably one of the top shows of all time was the Larry Sanders show. He was a nominated for outstanding writing on the Larry Sanders show. So he also gets like a little bit of like extra mm-hmm. stuff from me. I'm a big, big fan of his and his work. So yeah, Modern Family, I had some really, really great laughs. The Dumfies, you know, I really remember being just astounded by the quickness and the wit and, and the writing and I could, there was no way I could justify leaving this off my list. That's it. It's interesting. So it's not on my list. I mean, definitely it's one of the great comedies of the two thousands for sure. You can't deny it. As you said, no, I guess I am. You're denying- I'm, just, it was, I'm not saying it's bad. It just wasn't in my top 10. You know, if I had to have one critique of the show, I do think some of the straight kind of characters. I don't mean straight in terms of gay and straight, but the straight mm. men or women, particularly sure. Claire, played by Julie Bowen, and mm. Mitchell, played by Jesse Tyler Ferguson. I think they are great actors. I don't think, like, Claire was often a nag, and Jesse was kind of like, you know, the counterpoint to Cam, who is Eric Stone Street, great, great actor, great character. And I found that instead of developing those characters more over the years, they kind of like just dug into those stereotypes of them, which I didn't really love. And Manny, I don't really like either so uh, there are a couple characters that aren't my favorites in the show or i didn't like the way they were written even though i like the actors but Mm -hmm. ty burrell is a genius especially when you realize you know i knew him before modern family from dawn of the dead and he plays a total jerk in this that was in that's phil dumphy yeah and that was the it was a reboot of, of dawn of the dead and i mean he's just a great actor we know him now from this comedy but he's a great dramatic smarmy you know actor as well in some of his other roles so I recognize your complaint, but I feel like Phil Dumphy, his interactions with Claire and the work of his three children far outweighed mm-hmm. any, mm-hmm. like the meathead that Luke was for so many years. I was like, oh my God, how do they get a kid to just nail this? This is just so, so good. And that these kids were at a certain age where I'm like, I don't even think they appreciate the humor that they're Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if you look back on it that Luke is that good of an actor. But anyway, now I'm being a bit too negative. So Too we, much. We should probably move on. Hey, give me your number seven. So number seven is Fleabag. So Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Basis off her one woman show again, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. We talked about recently when we talked about our summer movies, and she was in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I mean, she is so funny. Her looks to the camera are just amazing, and it is you know not just funny but deeply sad. And she's a deeply a person who's had some moral injury and devastating to herself and how she's trying to deal with this. Of course, everybody remembers. I think the second season has, of course, Sexy Priest played by Andrew Scott. I mean, it's almost a perfect two seasons of television. I can't say enough about this show. Amazing. I've only heard good things. I spent the last few days chatting with a few friends, comedic buddies about their top tens and Fleabag came up. I have not watched it, if you can believe that. Well, that is a must watch. And also, I know sometimes people are like, yeah, I can't commit. Say you hadn't seen Modern Family. We're talking 11 seasons. That's a lot. Fleabag mm. is two seasons, six episodes each. You'll burn through them very quickly. So an easy one to kind of get under your belt if you're trying to catch up on some of these. Sure. Full disclosure, I think I only watched six, maybe seven episodes of Modern Family. I really didn't. Oh I wasn't able to. Yeah. God. I got busy. I got busy. Number six might be surprising to you or some is the American Office. Slow start, rickety start. 
a start I didn't fully appreciate because it was too much like the British office. It was a full and, and, you know, I hadn't done any acting at the time. I did not appreciate the time it takes for you to get that momentum in a show. You need episodes for everybody to be like, hey, this is who we are. This is what the growth of this character, this is what the, you know, you can read that all on paper, but it's only in the doing that you start to feel like, okay, as an actor, I'm now understanding my role. As an ensemble of actors, I'm now understanding how we interact with each other. And I feel like this thing ripened over the seasons. And then I didn't really watch it. And, you know, one of my favorite comedic actors is Will Ferrell. I sort of, I don't know how, but I stopped watching it once Will Ferrell came in. So that said, the years that I did watch, there were some incredible, incredible comedy. And, and you know, I recently listened to, and I think we've talked about this on the podcast, I recently listened to an interview with Mindy Kaling on Fresh Air on NPR. And she was saying, this is a show that could never be made today. And so I think there's something about that too, that we had this collective moment, you know, I watched my daughters, my son, my son, my 11 year old who just turned 12, he just finished the office. And like, that was every, he was so focused. Okay. Time to go to bed. Can I watch 10 minutes of the office? This was his negotiating. So I was walking in and out while he was watching it. I'd watch some episodes. So I have been revisiting some of the genius of this show over the last few months. And it's yeah, it is great and super inappropriate. <laughs> I'll get to the office in a little bit. I will agree with you on two things. One is that I agree with you. The first few episodes, they were just trying to find their feet. And, yeah. and this, it's a very good lesson to not give up on shows early on. Because if, if the network or you as a viewer had given up on it, you would have missed out one of the best comedies. But... A big limitation of the show is it definitely should have ended when Michael Scott, the character, was written off the show. It 100%, 100% should have. And I do think the latter seasons, as I said, Scrubs, the last season is kind of like a reboot, whatever. I think the latter seasons of The Office don't hold up that well because they're missing Michael Scott. That episode where he leaves is one of the best episodes of television, and it should have really ended there. But again, we'll get back to The Office in a few minutes. No, you're number six. Yeah. So mine is Atlanta. Again, I think, as you said, is it laugh out loud funny? Not necessarily all the time, but sometimes it is. But no show did what Atlanta did. It, it kind of exploded what a sitcom could be. It is groundbreaking, you know, four black leads taking place in Atlanta and elsewhere, standalone episodes that have nothing to do with the rest of the series. I, I don't know uh, how much more praise I can give to this show. It really is amazing. My number five is Veep. You've said everything I wanted to say about Veep. You know, and I realize when I look at my list, with the exception of Modern Family, I do like a little darkness in mm. my comedy, right? Which is why I also like humor and heart, which is why I struggled with Scrub should be there. But I don't have those broader comedies, even though I've had some laughs courtesy of, you know, the will and graces of the, you know, I do like comedy with a little bit of darkness. Veep, you know, the one thing I'll say about Veep is that I can never forgive Donald Trump for a hundred things. But one of the top things is that Veep lost its footing. I listened to an interview with Armando Iannucci and he was like, when reality is stranger than fiction, it's very difficult. It became a huge challenge to be like, our mockery 
isn't as funny as the self-mockery that Trump is, you know, whatever you want to say, imposing on himself. And I think that signaled the, the end. I mean, look, they had a great run. They were, I mean, unbelievably, mercilessly entertaining the entire way through, in my, my opinion. But you can't help but say, think you might have gotten a little bit more Veep had Trump just taken a long walk off a short pier. Totally, totally agree. My next one is 30 Rock. Yes, number yeah, five, 30 I thought, Rock. I thought so, I'd hear you say yeah, that. Yeah, so 30 Rock, I just love 30 Rock. I think it's the style, you have to like the style, which is kind of a joke a minute, very rapid fire, and it's just so good. I, I love Tina Fey's comedy. It was just superb. I think they've emulated a bit with Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which I also loved, but I think 30 Rock, I don't know, I love this kind of surreal kind of humor they use. It's been described as a live action cartoon sometimes. Maybe that's a, a bit of an oversell, but yep, 30 Rock for sure. Love it. Okay. Yeah. 30 Rock, I considered maybe not dark enough. Maybe it didn't have the darkness, mm -hmm. but I, I had a lot of laughs courtesy of 30 Rock as well. Number four and my four, three, two, one are all shows that like changed me as a human being. Like mm -hmm. they changed what I realized comedy could be. So number four is Chappelle's show mm -hmm. for me. The fact that it's not on your list is a, a travesty. Mm -hmm. And you will be getting some angry worded letters oh, yeah. from at least a couple of people yeah, I know. But trust me. Those, some of those sketches were, I mean, a combination of obscenely funny, obscenely brave, groundbreaking, pioneering stuff. Still referenced to this day. People will say some of the stuff. And it was intense. And, and, you know, Dave Chappelle leaving money on the table and leaving that whole drama around it also speaks to you know, something about creators and, and what they want to do, what they want to create and how they don't have the leeway to do mm -hmm. so. And also, or, or didn't, you know, this is pre YouTube and it's kind of, also speaks to the pressure that is on you when you are leading a show like this, when you are the lead and he probably, you know, producer as well, probably was working alongside showrunners and he's creating it and he's starring in it. There's a tremendous, tremendous amount of pressure. Mm -hmm. And I think that, to me, that suggests how hard he worked on making this amazing. Mm -hmm. None of this stuff comes easy. So it's even more appreciation. That drama creates more of an appreciation for me of this show. No, it makes sense. And I, as you said, we will get lots of angry letters and emails. As I'm thinking of, there are going to be a couple of shows that are not included on our list that people are going to go insane. So mm. that's one from my list that's not. But the next one for me is Parks and Recreation. I absolutely love this show. Again, a show that just like the American office took a couple episodes, they had to get the Leslie Nope character correct. They thought she was like a Michael Scott, like kind of annoying, but in fact, it's her heart and her commitment. You know, you're not making fun of her commitment to politics, right? That's the endearing quality of her. And she believes in uh, municipal government. So, and just such a funny and heartwarming, you know, the episode where they're going on the ice for the guy who does the free throw. Like as a classic, whenever Ali's family comes to visit us, 
the kids always watch that one episode. The Comeback Kid is the name of the episode. I was struggling there for a second. It is laugh out loud funny every single time you watch it. A superb show. Loved every minute of it. So definitely Parks and Rec. Again, we're talking about, it's all is connected, right? The Office, Parks and Rec, and some of the other shows, Good Place, which didn't make my list. These are all kind of connected by the same people. Mike Schur, Greg Daniels, all these guys are connected together. So very similar mm-hmm. kind of shows, but Parks and Rec is, is definitely up there on my list. Yeah. Didn't make my list, hovered around number 10 for a while, eventually got bumped. I, I would consider that one of my honorable mentions. A lot of laughs, mm-hmm. courtesy of that show. But yeah, I don't know. It just couldn't edge out the other shows I have here. My number three, I don't know if you even thought about this one, The Ali G Show. Ah, yes. No, I, I, it's not on my list, but yeah, absolutely. And sitting, like I told you, just changed me as a human being. I was like, I didn't know I could feel this level of entertainment, laughter, and discomfort at the same time. I just didn't know it was possible. Now it's a whole different world, right? We're talking about multiple movies, Borat, Bruno, Mm -hmm. but those didn't exist. This was just Sasha Baron Cohen going deep into these characters and doing these mock interviews with people. And it was insane. It was absolute insanity. The entire time you're like, how is he doing this? How did he get this interview? How is this person not realizing what's happening here? And you're you're watching a human being just do calculations in their mind about like, what is happening here? This person is a moron. I can't, or is this person, what's happening? I mean, he's, he's, he's an absolute, you know, certified mm-hmm. genius. His commitment to character is unparalleled. And the laughs I got off that show, sitting in my buddy Q's basement, shout out to Q. A lot of these shows was Mm -hmm. just late night basement watching. Sometimes we'd end our night early and come back just so we could sit there and watch these shows and, you know, eat late night Pakistani food. I'm less healthy because of all this TV watching, but healthier up in my mind. So yeah, number three is with Dali G Show. It's not on my list, again, probably because I, I left aside sketch comedy shows, but you know, can't disagree with anything you said. My next is another. You want to talk about dark and misanthropic? It's Curb Your Enthusiasm, right? They, it is hard to find a show that is so unique, so funny, and it was very hard for other shows to try and emulate this. You know, Larry David's been going on since 2000, and the last season was a couple years ago. So they've had 11 seasons. Absolutely superb. And I recommend, I mean, it's a certain style of humor that you have to like. It's it's cringe to the maximum level. And why does he act like this? And their season where they do the Seinfeld reunion is probably one of my favorite seasons of television ever. So I can't say enough good things about this. Again, an improv show, right? They improv all the Highly improvised. Similar to Ali G. So yeah, Kirby Enthusiasm. Cast also on that show, just incredible, incredible. Just, you know, the Hollywood elite, comedy elite, I should say, who come through. I agree with you about Curb. The reason it's not on my list is because many times I would try to binge. As you say, there's just so much content out there. So you try to binge. Okay, I'm going to watch Curb. My limit was three. By the third episode, I'm like, now I'm just feeling too uncomfortable. I I can't keep watching Mm -hmm. this. This is like, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's always diminishing return. Like that first, yes, Curb Your... And you hear the music and you're like, amazing. What's Larry going to do this time? Oh my God, this is hilarious. Number two is like, okay, all right, okay. And by the third one, every... It was like uh, science. Mm -hmm. I couldn't last through that third episode. So 
To me, that is far too much of a negative for me to put it on this list, but he's an absolute genius. It's a, that, that's a problem with me, not with him. And by the way, as people know, Ali and I don't share our list. We're hearing each other's list for the first time, but I'm going to make a prediction that our final two are the exact same, the exact same. perhaps They're in different sure. orders. Yes. Go ahead, Ali. I'll tell you them both at once or what? What do we want? You no, know, do them individually. Do them individually. No, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Number two is the UK office. I know you got it there. It's number two as for me as well. Go ahead. Changed me as a human being. Couldn't believe what I was watching. Still quote that show every day. When you deliver a line from the office just for no reason and somebody else connects with that, is a kinship. It's a bond. It's like you read the same series of books as somebody. It's you, you have a same shared experience, the same shared sense of humor. I mean, it was absolutely insane and i could rewatch that every year for the rest of my life like it's just it's brand new in a way every single time i watch it absolutely love it when my daughters were watching the u.s office i was like you really got to watch the uk yeah. and they're like yeah we tried we didn't like it and i was like mm, you're not staying in this house much longer. i know i gotta convince my kids for the same thing as well like people don't understand this is the originator of this kind of humor mockumentary looking at the camera cringe this is the 2000s humor was originated by ricky gervais and stephen merchant right that's how it happened it's number two for me as well it's hard to explain to people how influential this show was you would not have everything we talked about mike Schur, greg daniels everything that came afterwards is because of this show and it is hilarious and again i do feel bad it's like you know when i was growing up i watched the movie casino and then I watched Goodfellas. Just the way it happened, I, I watched Casino, and then and then I went. I just never got around to seeing Goodfellas afterwards. I'm like, oh, this Goodfellas is a bit of a copy of Casino. No, it's clearly the other way around, mm -hmm. right? But and this is the same thing. You watch the American Office, but yeah, this British Office is kind of a copy. No, this was the originator. So my cheat was because the British Office is so influential. That's why I didn't put the American office, because you can't have one without the other. And that's why extras, life is short, all these ones that kind of came, these Ricky Gervais shows afterwards, this was the originator. So it kind of trumped everything else. Mm. You also left yourself some extra space in your list by not putting them on there. Very smart. Now you see my little <laughs> trick there. It. Okay. Well, I was focused on laughter. I was really yes. focused on laughter. So I said I had to get Fair it. enough. And number one. I was going to say my number one, our number, number one, one is, and the greatest thing is when people talk about this show, you're pretty much subtracting one full season out of it. You're not yeah. even talking about that final season. No. Like that doesn't yeah, even The ones on in. Netflix, just ignore. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the Netflix, well, it's all on Netflix, but no. The yeah, one sorry, the, the ones that were made for, yeah, correctly. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. There was two There was made two for made for Netflix. Unbelievable. Yeah. Don't even, yes, forget both of them. <laughs> it's Arrested Development, obviously. I mean, it's perfection. Yeah. It's absolute perfection in comedy. I don't know how to say. If you don't get it, then I, you know, like I said, there's this, this comedy kinship, right? Asif and I sit here opposite each other with differing views about things, but there's like those basic things that you, you got to have as friends. And, and it's just like this incredible shared experience you also have with people who will watch this show. It was, now I, I like to say groundbreaking, but Larry Sanders <laughs> is- the reason arrested development exists, right? This is like people are inspired. But that character work, those storylines, those performances, I mean, just some of the 
greatest stuff I've ever, ever seen. And again, a show that I could rewatch over and Me over too. And, and again, one of my daughters watched it, loved it. You know, again, she bailed after, you know, after the first three seasons, because there's no real point in continuing on watching mm. that show. And some people might slight it, but come on, those came out years and years later. We're talking about the first three seasons. It is just, yeah, as you said, it's perfection, comedy perfection, a lightning in a bottle. It's hard to capture this kind of magic again. And you see where everybody else went on afterwards, you know, well net Jason Bateman, the whole cast. Yeah, it's perfect. So yeah, like I predicted, our last two were exactly the same, but they make sense because they're really, I think, the funniest comedies of the past 23 years. And before we just wrap this up, Ali, I got to mention something. There are two shows on here that people are going to murder us for not including. There were a few mm -hmm. things that I didn't include that you didn't include on our list, but there's two shows that are not either of our lists that especially younger people, I think, are going to kill us for. Mm -hmm. And they are Schitt's Creek and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm -hmm. And I think Brooklyn Nine-Nine for me, it's only because it comes after all these other shows. It does have a different sensibility in the office and parks and recreation, but it is part of that kind of tapestry. And Schitt's Creek, I love that show. I love the characters. I'm not sure it's as laugh out loud funny as the shows or as groundbreaking as something like Atlanta or Chappelle's show, you know? So I desperately wanted a Canadian show yeah. on here. But I stuck to my what shows have made me laugh the most. And that's the only reason. Schitt's Creek is a great show. It's a great show. It deserves all the accolades it gets. A couple of other honorable mentions for me were also Reservation Dogs mm -hmm. and Sort Of. It's, these are both very yeah. different types of comedy. This is the opposite of, you know, Scrubs, Modern Family. It's very low-key the type of comedy in the last few years I've really come to connect with. I'd, I'd, I'd be remiss not to mention Reservation Dogs and sort of. And as I was talking to a friend of mine, my buddy Rob Baker, shout out to Robbie, one of the funniest dudes I, I know, sketch performer out of Toronto. He mentioned one that I don't know about at all. And he, this, he said this would be in his top five. I asked him for his mm. top five mm -hmm. and he said W1A. Do you know it? No, I've never heard of that no. before. So a British show, he said, again, this combination of darkness and ridiculous comedy, and it's just phenomenal. So I thought I'd throw it out there. I know nothing about it. And Fleabag was also one of his top fives. He likes that dark British stuff. All right, Asif, before we wrap up this section, of course, we would be complete monsters to not let people know what the AV club's best right uh, was. i forgot i forgot and, and we right. will read their 50 let's look at their yeah. top 10 as well something that you and i have both not done i've had this no. okay. page bookmarked at the right spot for quite some time here and we're going to quickly scroll through 20 listen to this yes 19 office uk so not oh, even in their top, 10. In the top okay. 10 okay problems okay. nathan for you 18 we didn't talk about nathan fielder but i respect that the good place is number 16. I'm just scroll. I'm not going to read every one of them out, but I love The Good Place. Very innovative show. Curb Your Enthusiasm, number 14. Mm -hmm. Yikes. There's no yikes At there. That's not a yikes. Atlanta, number 11. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. So well, now. You know, that's like they did 50. They had a harder job than we did. Let's just say that. Yes. Okay. So their okay. number 10 mm -hmm. is 30 Rock, mm -hmm. which okay, you would fair. be pleased about i imagine right yes very happy with that okay their number nine is the office u.s version and i i don't think i want to live in a world where the u.s is ranked higher than the og but anyway that's fine that's fine at the very least give them yeah. a tie for god's sake 
They like you for number eight. They've got Fleabag there. Yeah, very nice. Very Their number good. seven okay. is New Girl. What do you think of that? I mean, I like New Girl. Yeah. I think it was a fun show. The cast as a whole was great, but better than some of these other ones? I don't know. I think it's pushing it a bit. I enjoyed it too. I watched the first season in its entirety. I think lots of the second season, but I don't. Yeah, I, I don't think it belongs in the top 10. Here's a show that I don't know anything about, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, 2015 yeah, to 2019. one episode of it. A lot that. of musical, they have a lot of musical stuff in it. I heard it was good. I watched one episode. I thought it was okay, but I never really continued. So, okay, okay fine. Well, maybe we should. Can't judge it either way. Number five is Parks and Rec, which I feel like I, you know, I bet somebody sends me a bunch of clips or a bunch of episode links, and then I go, I'm an idiot. Should have been in my top 10. But anyway. You messed up. Yeah, I messed up. Number four is Veep, which how do you like that? Mm -hmm. There we I go. I like that very much. Bojack Horseman at number three. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see why, but three is super high. Three is super high. Yeah. Anyway. You know, it's a show that I really should probably give another chance to. I watched probably six or seven episodes of the first season. Well, that was fine. But I do hear it gets much better, much darker, much more insightful and incisive of the entertainment industry. So I should probably give it another chance. Mm -hmm. My 12 year old is watching it right now as we speak. Number two, highly contentious. Oh boy. Highly contentious. It's the show Community, which on this show we have talked, there's an episode where we talked about Community. A lot of people do not find it funny at all, like zero funny. And then obviously there's people who just absolutely love it. I'm on, I'm more on the side of loving it. I thought it was a great show, not top 10, but great. No. And we know my opinions. Your opinion is. It's fine. You think even fine is too generous for you. Oh, but here we go. Number we one. Go. Number one, Arrested Development. It's Arrested Development. Good for us. Yeah. So I mean, we all, not so that we're we, in competition with the no. AV club or anything, but so, uh, yeah, it's good. It feels good. I think that you and I agreed mostly, you know, obviously there are some things that are different from our lists, but, but I think we disagree intensely with the AV club, except for number one. So number one, all across the board, this means if you have not ever watched Arrest Development, watch the first three seasons post haste. Mm -hmm. I agree. All right, Asif, if we are talking about something near and dear to your heart in this medical section, worms, do you like them? You like the term earworm. Yeah. Which is do a newer I? term. Yeah, I guess I do. Well, you've used know. it twice. No, it's annoying, actually. No. <laughs> going back on that, it's stupid. Okay. So a lot of people heard about this article from a month or so ago about a worm Right? Found in someone's brain, and you, you, we and yeah, I were texting about alive, this. Still alive and wriggling. I don't know why they had to also give wriggling. It's it's kind of a graphic story. If you're creeped out by things like this, and I I learned about myself, I, I, I am a little bit, at the very least. Also didn't like the description of the worm, parasitic. So, And also didn't enjoy learning that the doctors had no idea what was going on there until they found the worm. So there's yeah. a lot of stuff about this story that makes me deeply uncomfortable. It's one of those things where you're just sort of like, why, why does this exist? Why is this a thing? Now, I didn't know if this was a real one-off rare story or if worms in the brain and your body are, are more common. So we put it to you, Asif Doja, to talk to us about, you know, what is the commonality? What is the frequency of things like this? 
getting into your brain. Why don't you tell people what this story is, first of all, and, and, and you know, I'll give you a loose overview of some of my questions. I wanted to know what a parasitic worm is, how it's different from a tapeworm, how these worms get in there, how, how often this could happen, how we protect ourselves, etc. Lots of questions. And I want you to just talk about what is this? Why did this story happen? So a tapeworm is a type of parasitic worm. So parasites are just organisms that can live in your body and kind of feed off your body, right? So that's what a parasite is. It's deriving its nutrition and sustenance from you. And, and originated from within you. No, well, it can't originate from within you. They all have to originate externally to you. Uh-huh. because otherwise, I thought it was your otherwise own. That that's was... Called, no, that's called a baby. <laughs> baby is also parasitic to you, but <laughs> so uh, anything that does mother. that is a parasite. And so a tapeworm is a type of that, of parasite. We'll talk about that, maybe tapeworms in a few minutes. So, okay. So what happened with this lady is her case is very interesting. She presented with what we call nonspecific symptoms. So she had abdominal pain, diarrhea, and then a cough and fever and night sweats. And I guess she was seen, she's from Australia, you know, was seen in uh, clinics and, and kind of they weren't really sure what was going on, did a bunch of blood work, everything was normal. And then months later, she developed forgetfulness, depression, and she was sent to a hospital in the capital of Australia. And then they did an MRI scan and they said, there's something in the right frontal lobe of the brain. So from my understanding and my reading, this sounded like it was an area of swelling or what we call edema in the brain. And so they're like, there's something there which we need to remove, right? We need to kind of investigate what this could be. I'm not sure that they thought that it was this worm, right? But, and so then they had the surgery and basically they found it. Now, a lot of times these worms that we find in the brain, sometimes they've, they're alive for a certain point and then they die. But the fact that there was a live wriggling worm, as you're saying, in her brain is pretty unusual. And apparently this was several centimeters long. Uh, they have a pictures of it on some of these news stories, which we'll link to. So pretty disturbing. The craziest part is they didn't know what it was, right? When they first, yeah. that's what you were implying. Like they're yeah. like, we don't know what this is. And so they sent it to an animal parasitology expert and they were like, this is actually a roundworm found in python so we don't have to get into too much detail about different kinds of worms but there's different kinds of worms so some of these roundworms you know how an earthworm has those like little cylindrical wrinkles sure, kind of all through sure. it so roundworms which are the ones that we often see more that are parasites because an earthworm is not a parasite so you're not going to get an earthworm you know feeding off your internal organs so usually roundworms without these ridges on them these are ones that can be more parasites. See, my biology degree came in handy right there. Hmm. So this roundworm is usually found in pythons. So it's weird because this woman is not a python, nor does she eat pythons, but she actually lived near a lake that was inhabited by carpet pythons in an area of New South Wales. Oh, my favorite so type of python. So she didn't really... The, the carpet pythons? Yes. yes. What, what do you know about them? Not a thing at all, but a carpet is not very threatening, so I like that about them. <laughs> That's right. I don't know anything about them either. Better than a strangling python. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Exactly. So she didn't have any contact with the pythons, but she would forage in the air around her house for warrigal greens, W-A-R-R-I-G-A-L, which is a native leafy vegetable, which I've never heard of, but I don't live in Australia. So anyway, she was foraging around for these greens and she would cook and eat them. So the idea is maybe she got contaminated with the roundworm, either the mm, eggs or the A roundworm. lot of jokes in Australia about, that's why I don't eat my veggies, mate. I'm sure a lot of- that That's right. Australian accent. But yeah, there's a lot of people who need reasons not to re-eat their greens, and they got one there. Right, because people say the carpet python may have spread its parasite via its feces, so it pooped on those warrigal greens. Mm. Then she touched them, maybe cross-contaminated her food, her cooking utensils, and then got sick by this. As well, this parasite, so never been described before in humans. This is the first time, oh. but it's highly invasive. So it's larvae, so it's juveniles, it's little babies, were present in other organs of the body, including the lungs and the liver. Okay, so that's why, because this is what I was trying to understand as well. They described her, you know, you said she had the dizziness and, right. and, and uh, forgetfulness, but she also yeah. had abdominal pain and diarrhea. So right. I was trying to figure out what the connection yeah, is there. Yeah, so it was everywhere in her body, which is scary, that's right? So, so apparently she's being treated and, and is doing well. But yeah, that's kind of this very rare case, but it has this bigger story about, you know, worm or parasitic worm infections in humans, right? It does. So, and that is more common. Those are the tapeworms that you're talking about. And those are the ones yeah. found typically in stomach, intestine, so on, never in the brain. No, 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 no. They can go everywhere. So, so let's talk about this. So all specifically, I mean, there's lots of different kinds of tapeworm infections and, and worm infections that you can get. Like there's many, many ones and maybe on future episodes we can talk about, but we were talking about the brain. So let's talk about one that we see. In fact, I saw a patient today with this, Come <laughs> strangely on. enough. Yeah. So though it's extremely rare, extremely rare. This is something called neurosister sarcosis. Okay. So the word and neuro right in there. So it definitely. Exactly. So these are ones that definitely can infect the brain. Mm. Okay. And it's a very common disease. Okay. This neurosister sarcosis tapeworm is endemic in Central and South America. Okay. You said rarely, rarely seen. You're talking about in your hospital, in your practice. Totally. In your, Sorry. I need to country. be clear. So, you know, when I need recommendation on treatment, so I wouldn't necessarily go ask people for their opinion who trained in North America. I'd want to go ask someone who trained in other parts of the world. In fact, for some of these patients with the MRI scan, I'm like, I take it to somebody who's trained in South America. And I'll be like, what do you think? You know, and even for treatment of some of these patients, I'll ask some of my colleagues who've trained elsewhere, who've seen a lot more of this because they think 2.5 million people worldwide carry the tapeworm. And as I was saying, Central and South America, Sub-Saharan Africa, regions of the Far East, Indian subcontinent, Indonesia, China, in some places, the incidence is 3.6% of all people will have this tapeworm. So it can be very common. That's huge. Yeah. So how does it form? You said it comes from the outside in. Is it like leafy greens are a big culprit in this not case too? Not necessarily no? in okay. this one. Not necessarily in this one, Ali. Here's a hint. The fact that you're not a strict Muslim, you know, is there bacon no. in heaven available at fine bookstores everywhere, will predispose you to getting this. El, so el porco is no good It's It's a problem. So okay. basically the parasite is called tenia solium. And you get the larva, the babies, causing the infection. So that's the problem. So you will get it if you swallow the eggs of the tapeworm. So how do you get that? You get it if 
you eat something contaminated with the feces of another human who had the tapeworm. Got right? it. So now you're probably asking me, yeah, but you just said pigs, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is in areas where pigs roam freely and have access to human sewage, they will eat the human feces and they will get infected. And then the larva could be in areas of the pig that are eaten. Oh, and boy. if it's improperly so cooked. Not, oh, oh it, the does, improper yeah, so cooking is key there. Yeah, okay. okay. Exactly. So basically, you can also get it just if you get contaminated with human feces, right? So contaminated food sources, water sources, surfaces, right? And then that's when you would get sick with this. So just going to throw something out here while we're on the subject mm-hmm. of human feces, which I didn't think that's what my day was going to involve today. But here we are. I learned a long time ago, Julian Armstrong from the mm-hmm. Montreal Gazette was their sort of mm-hmm. food reporter. She's the one who told me, you make sure you always wash your cilantro thoroughly. Mm. And I was like, yeah, we do, we do give it a you know, rinse and all that. She goes, oh, I, I'd go a little further than a, a, a rinse. She said, I have seen these you know, reports and documentaries about very unethical farmers, you know, not not farmers, but, you know, these landlords and the men who own the farms, Mm, not mm. the actual workers, who have people working for them in the fields who don't allow them bathroom breaks. Oh. So they're sort of just going to the bathroom there close to these, maybe they go a distance in any case, but they're not, their hands aren't coming back particularly clean and they continue to, you know, pull out the various herbs, cilantro in particular. And that's what gets put in trucks and comes to meet us. And so that can also be happening in America and Canada, by the way. Unethical people live everywhere, by the way. So yeah, just when you get herbs and greens, and even when it says triple washed, we're lucky enough to have, you know, access to running water. And I think washing all your greens is just a really absolutely good clean clean running water yeah absolutely so yeah it's a big issue as we said around the world you know it is the most common cause of acquired epilepsy so some people have epilepsy from genetics in the world but we don't see it very commonly in canada or north america or even europe but you see it in other countries and almost always it's someone who's moved here from a different country who's had this infection and it's a long story which i won't get into but it can lay dormant for a while and then end up causing issues so what kind of symptoms can it cause if it goes into your muscles it doesn't usually cause pain or anything in the muscles you can sometimes feel a lump under your skin though in your muscle Mm -hmm. and they can sometimes become tender but of course the cysts going into the muscle the cyst is part of this whole larval infection that's what would happen in the pigs going into their muscles and of course that's what we're eating when we eat the pig they can go into your eye and they can cause disturbed or blurry vision if they get really infected and swell you can have detachment of your retina but the main concern is goes into your brain or spinal cord. So as we said, seizures are very common, headaches are very common, but you can have confusion, balance problems, or excess fluid on the brain. That's what hydrocephalus is, water on the brain, excess fluid, and you could die. And it can be a really serious thing. And again, it's something we have to think about in countries where it's not as prevalent. Where what is not as prevalent? The neurocystic psychosis. So if it's not as prevalent, you may not think about it. When you're seeing a patient with seizures, for example. Ah, we have to. You're talking about, I thought you meant you and I as human beings. You're talking about, I get it. Me and the nerd (laughs) colleagues. Yeah, good. Good, 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 good. How is it treated? 
So you can treat it with an anti-parasitic agent. Usually we use what's called albendazole. Sometimes you need several treatments. Now you need to be a bit careful though, because when you're giving the albendazole, if you kill the parasite, if you kill the worm, the larvae, you can sometimes release a reaction that causes swelling in that area of the brain. So you actually have to give corticosteroids at the same time to reduce inflammation, anti-inflammatory at the same time. And those patients often do better. Sometimes they need repeat treatment. And sometimes the worm will just be kind of dead and calcified. Even though it's not alive, it's not going to cause any problems, that just calcification can predispose you to seizures as well in the long term as well. So you can treat it actively, but you still may end up with something like seizures afterwards. This woman who got the worm in her brain, this is probably what she's how she's being treated? Yeah. With, I don't know if it's the same medication or something similar, but antiparasitic. Yeah, exactly. So, And it's so novel. You, they probably are asking the Python experts, you know, what, wow. what to treat her with. So, yeah. So hopefully she's doing okay. I don't have any updates or anything, but hopefully she's doing okay. Okay. So that's our episode for today. Let us know what you guys thought about our top 10 favorite comedies of the 2000s. I think people are going to disagree a lot, especially some of the things we left out. See what you thought. But ours was better than the AV Club. I think we can all agree about that, right? I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. And let us know any other topics you want to hear about more worms in the brain. There's many other parasitic infections that would be interesting to perhaps talk about, but definitely the one we talked about today, the neurocystrocytosis is actually quite common, whereas the python worm in your brain is quite uncommon. So we kind of went to the spectrum of those in terms of what you see around the world. If we can sum up today, it's watch Arrested Development, but not mm -hmm. the Netflix seasons and wash your greens. Mm -hmm. Those and are two good takeaways. Yo. And cook your pork, yo. So reach out to us, drvcomedian at gmail.com, drvcomedian on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are everywhere. I haven't started calling it X yet, and I let's just say I never will. How about that? But remember that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues we talk about are for your interest and information only, but they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.